Hey, this is Sean Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Dolphins sucks. I want a number leaver. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than Michael Lagaris, everyone. What's up, everybody? Also on the line, the most amazing football podcaster in the nation today. Nobody adds insight like this gentleman. You know him, you love him. The majestic beast, the big stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk. What's going on, everybody? How about that introduction, Kronk? You like that? That's fantastic. Here we go, Mike, Jet fans, Gangry Nation, Wookiee, everyone, we're 0 10. Ha ha! 0 10, Mike, as we continue. This season of despair, and there's a few little, few little nuggets to look at in this game that were positive. Mims, one of them. Mike has a whole bunch that he wants to run through. But the bottom line, Mike, is uh, even though we fought back in the second half, there we showed some fight, had three touchdown drives. Even though Mims looked good, even though in the second half at least Bryce Hall looked good. Same old song when it came to the end result. Took a loss. 34-26, we go down, Mike. Defense played okay in the second half. Right at the beginning of the game there for a sec, guys. Real quick, in the beginning of the game, I was like, wait a minute, hold on. We blocked the punt. We got a touchdown. I know Ficken, we'll get into why our boy Castillo wasn't out there in a second. Ficken missed the extra point, Mike. But right at the beginning of the game, Mike, at least, defense plays well. You block a punt. You get a touchdown. Another turnover right after that by Marcus May on the fumble recovery. It seemed like... The Jets are ready to shock the world for a minute there, didn't it, Mike? Yeah, and it's crazy because a lot of fans are like, oh, we were really nervous in the first half, and they're nervous because they don't want to win. <laughs> Everybody is all sure. about the tank, all about the tank. But yeah, you know, in the beginning it looked like the Jets had a pretty strong start, but honestly this secondary, uh, the defense really is a problem. And Justin Herbert just had a sensational game, 37 for 49, 366 yards, uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions, had a QBR of 89.1. I mean, the kid was fantastic. Um, we had Bryce Hall out there for the first time. I thought that for his first time being out there as a starting cornerback, that he did actually pretty well. Um, I think that he had overall eight uh was targeted 10 times gave up eight catches for 51 yards and herbert had an 87.9 qb rating when throwing his way given that yeah. he was 116 qb rating is actually not bad for for his first time there and i thought his coverage skills was pretty decent and you're going up against really good wide receivers in keenan allen and and williams you know so 
I, I, you know, not bad. Yeah, and Mike, also, also considering for the Rook, I mean, he wasn't activated that long ago. I think it was the Patriot game. You know, he, he's a guy that had that horrific injury. He broke his ankle, his fibula, ligament damage back there in October 2019, that game versus Miami. So it's the reason he plummeted. It's one of the reasons we got him. So he hasn't had that much time as an NFL player on, to be honest. And I, the first half didn't look that good, but the second half he played pretty good. You know, and he's the reason Desir is a free agent right now because the Jets were like, you know, you can't play pretty much, you really can't play worse than Desir was playing. Why continue to pay this guy when there's someone we think we might have been able to steal down there in the fifth round last season? So went out and gave Hall a chance. And, I mean, the biggest takeaway from this game, he only had three catches, Mike, but all three catches were very impactful catches, Mims. And he looked good, and he's continued to look good, Mike. And you got a guy here that through four games, you know, he has 13 catches through four games, 217 yards. Of his 13 catches, Mike, 10 of them have gone for a first down, which is pretty impressive. So 26 targets, 13 catches in his first four games. You know, he has 42 yards the first two games, then 62, 71 last game. So he's been increasing. The targets look like they've been increasing. I mean, Mike, he's averaging about 16.7 yards a catch, which is which is tremendous. There's only, I mean, right now in the NFL, obviously the sample size is very small, Mike. But only about seven receivers, guys like Galladay, Metcalf, Jefferson on the Vikings, more in Carolina. Not that many guys are averaging more yards per reception right now than Mims. Blocking well, uh, drew a pass interference this game. So that's something at least we can look at as Jet fans as a big-time positive going into next season. And at least it looks like there's one area on the offense which looks so weak as a whole when it comes to skill position players, but one guy we can look at to maybe be able to count on next year. It is early, okay? So we don't want to make too many or, you know, start proclamating and, and calling cats, you know, amazing or whatever, but I do want to say something. Nick, Nick, I've given you a lot of credit for what you've said about Mackay Becton before when we were doing our earlier shows. You were surprised us all saying, I like Mackay Becton better than Andrew Thomas. And, you know, again, we're going to get into Becton here in a second, but I give you your credit. You're, it looks like you're right. And we have it on tape. It's in our older, in on our things. But I also want a little credit too, Nick. Okay. There are only two rookie receivers that have accounted for over 30% of their team's passing yards in the games that they played. Do you know who those rookie receivers are? Oh uh, well, Mims. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on the ledge and say is one of them. Uh, the other the other rookie wideout has more than I'm sorry, more than thirty thirty uh, percent of their pa- of their team's passing yards. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, it would take me a couple seconds to probably figure it out, but I, I definitely Mims is one of them. Mims and Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. So. And who and 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 Nick, who was telling you from day one about Denzel Mims before he was a Jet? Keith was. Who? Keith. No. <laughs> Keith was not telling you about yeah, Denzel no. Mims. First of all, well, I was talking about Beckton before everyone too. So let me. No, you were No, no, you were too. What the hell are we doing here in the show? I, right I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Keith, I'm you just were. Kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm also giving. You know what it is. <laughs> Keith, you know what it is? 
I'm just the playing. fact that the Giants drafted cool. Thomas, yeah, and and he was not happy well, about it. He didn't it. want Thomas at all. He wanted nothing. Yeah, he Thomas. didn't want Thomas at all. That's why I got to be like, yo, all right, because he said it draft night. He's like, no, I'd rather have Beckton. I was like, whatever it was. Oh, but also too, whatever it was about Thomas, Wookie liked all. Wookie liked a few other guys and didn't like him. I don't know yeah. what Wookie, you felt something about him, Wookie. You just were like, this is not a guy I really want to be on my team. And he is. Well, and you know what's funny? Wook, too, you've heard coaches. Now, I'm not trying to say Joe Judge is a, good, a bad coach. I like Joe Judge so far, Wook. I've heard these these rumblings you might have heard on the WFM where people are like, Andrew Thomas is a 100% can't-miss prospect. I don't know why that's happening on the Giants. Almost saying it's the coaching. So who knows? Maybe it's not. Maybe Thomas is good, and he's not getting coached up the right way, but so far it hasn't worked out that well with him at left tech. But I am happy with Mims, and I'm going to say this. He is the first player in Jets franchise history to post over 40 receiving yards in each of his first four career games. He started off really well, and he reminds me, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but he reminds me of Brandon Marshall, the way he goes up and gets the ball. That's what he reminds me of. He, he, can, he reminds me of Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall, might be a, Brandon Marshall might be a little bit of a thicker receiver, but he reminds me of A.J. Green when he was young, too. Yeah. Similar like that. Like, yeah. Paul, not that. Maybe he's even a little thicker than A.J. Green, because A.J. Green's kind of a string bean. But AJ Green, when he was early in his career, like one thing you see here from Mims that he is—he has no drops so far, Mike. None. So he has 26 targets, 13 catches, but he hasn't dropped any balls. All the balls that he hasn't been able to haul in have been errant passes, you know, passes that haven't been able to get to him. So, and you see the the hand strength. Like one of the reasons Hopkins is such an otherworldly receiver when you watch him play, or you watch a guy like uh, Devontae Adams play. Is it's not something we talk about a lot, right? But that hand strength, being able to catch balls, like just the end of the ball. That's all you catch and you get your two feeding because that's all you can reach, right? you know, but you're able to do it because your hands are strong. Mims looks like one of those guys, man, when he hauls the ball in. So another guy, Mike, another good game this week from our boy, Quinnen Williams. Oh, man. Q here. Now, Greg Williams has said, our, our defensive coach during the week, and, you know, you don't really hear Greg Williams throw that many bouquets to players, Mike and Wook. Not really that type of coach, Greg Williams. But uh, he said Quentin Williams is definitely a top of the NFL level talent already, and he's just learning. Remember, guys, he didn't really start and play a lot at defensive tackle at Alabama till his till the yeah. year before he came out. So, right. you know, you're talking about a guy that only really started 13 games at Alabama. Then last year for the Jets, missed three games, so he started 13 games last year for us here. It's kind of coming into his own now, and you've seen it the past. Four or five games especially where, you know, some of the stats, like you said, when we used to have uh, Quentin Richardson, we used to say this, but some of the things that don't show up in the box score, you know, when your defensive tackle blows up an offensive lineman, gets into the backfield, ruins a screen pass, it only registers as an incomplete, Mike, right, for the other team. But when you watch the game, you're like, dude, he just destroyed that whole play. You know, he's one of those guys. He's becoming one of those type of players. And when you look at last year to this year, the growth with Quinnen, um, it's a big-time jump he's taking. Because last year he played 13 games, 28 tackles, 6 QB hits the whole season, 2.5 sacks, 4 tackles for a loss over nine, over, over 13 games last year. Only started 9 of those. This year, through 10 games, 34 tackles, already has 7 QB hits, 3.5 sacks, 7 tackles for a loss, 1 forced fumble. And it seems like a lot of that production's come, Mike, in the past maybe 5 or 6 weeks. So that's somebody that it looks like is turning the corner and we're going to have to thank Mikey Mack for that one. <laughs> yeah, we, we, are, we, we are. And that's maybe his, you know, I was funny because I was thinking that uh, 
bless on Austin, may have been Mike Mack's best uh, draft pick when it's all said and done. But you know what? Quinnen really is starting to look like a menace. And I'll tell you something right now. Leo Williams never looked like this. He was an absolute disruptor on Sunday. He was causing happening up the front. Up the middle, he was getting at the quarterback, had a half sack, two two QB hits, uh, was just causing, you know, you could see that the one-on-one matchups weren't working well on the on the on the side of the Chargers. So yep. Quinton Williams really has been taking that that leap in the second year. He's not, you know, uh, Aaron Donald, even though I think he has more tackles than Aaron Donald at yeah, this Michael, point. Yeah, Michael, how about th- at this point in the season? Quinnen has more tackles than Aaron Donald does. It's uh, I think Quinnen right now has 34 tackles. Aaron Donald has 28, and he has more tackles for a loss than Aaron Ooh. Donald does. Now, Aaron Donald, different type of player. Aaron Donald obviously has more QB pressures, and he has more sacks than Quinnen. I'm just saying, and Qu- Quinnen Williams is not that playing at a level of Aaron Donald yet. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you take a look at Quinnen, six foot three, 303 pounds, ran a 4-8-40 time. I mean, Aaron Donald, he's six feet, 280. You know, so Quinnen is a, even bigger than Aaron Donald and got the speed, too. And he's starting to put up production in some of these some of these important categories that's mirroring uh, what Aaron Donald's doing. So that's something to keep an eye on. And, Mike, we bounced around here. I want to just, I want to get back to one uh, note you mentioned that we didn't get to. It was in the game, Bosa was getting dominated so handily by our boy Becton that he actually admitted he moved himself or got moved to the other side of the line, and that's when he actually started getting to Flacco, which you never hear a player say. You never hear anything of that nature. But Makai Becton going up against a really, obviously, one of the better defensive ends, a guy who gets a lot of sacks, a guy that gets a lot of pressures, handled him no problem when he was on that left side, didn't he, Mike? Mike Renner, who does uh, rankings for rookie performers, has Becton as a top-five rookie performer in the Week 11 Becton now has gone against both Bosa brothers. He's gone against NFL talent since he's been starting here at left tackle. And he has been nothing but great. And he is a home, like if if this, what we see, continues through the rest of the season, he's not only a home run pick, first round pick, he has the ceiling to be a pro, perennial Pro Bowl left tackle and potentially the best left tackle in the National Football League. When you have the size that he has and you have the fundamentals and you have that nasty... When you got Joey Bosa, the one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL, start off with you in the first quarter, try you out, and just like, you know what, I'm just going to move to the other side. That's to a rookie... That's saying something. That's saying something right now, you know. And I'm really happy that I'm not seeing, you know, we're seeing little injuries from him. But he had like a chest congestion and he had a a shoulder. None of the injuries that I've seen from Becton have been because of his weight, you know, like a knee buckle or his ankles or whatever. It's it's just been that he, he landed wrong on his shoulder or, you know, he was... He had some ch- a chest cold. So I- I'm looking at him, and I am just so proud and so happy. And if you really think all of you out there who are uh, the tankers wanting uh, Trevor Lawrence, um, the people who say Trevor Lawrence is not going to want to come to the New York Jets, I find that hard to believe. 
I do. You know why? Because when I look at the New York Jets and I see the 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 pieces, Denzel Mims, a Makai Becton, a you know we talk about the 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 draft piece uh, picks that we have and all of the money that we have, but really most important, if Tre- Trevor Lawrence is looking at the New York Jets and he's looking at number seventy-seven, that's going to protect his blind side for the for his career. I mean, dude, that's a phenomenal spot to land you already got the guy and i think becton of all the players even over mims is the most solid draft pick we've made that i've seen in in decades bro decades yeah since, I mean, since it looks that way since it looks that way i mean he's someone that it might not be this year but you know he just continues along the pace that he's playing it's someone that could be in the pro bowl for a really long time like those those offensive line those offensive lineman picks, when you hit on them, it's a guy that's going to be with your team for a really long time. Because those guys get locked up. They don't really drop off into free agency. You don't see teams lose those dudes. And if you're a quarterback, a young quarterback coming into the NFL, um, I understand the narratives. People say, oh, Trevor Lawrence, why would he want to come to the Jets? And then someone else goes, oh, yeah, why would he want to come to the Jets? They stink. And then if you're a Jet fan or you're someone that's in the know, you're like, well, they're going to have plenty of money. They, they drafted a decent wide receiver. They might have one of the best left tackles in the league. So... There's plenty of reasons to want to come to the Jets next year. Right now, I wouldn't obviously you wouldn't want any part of it, but going into next season is plenty of plenty of positives we have in place. And having a left tackle, someone that is an absolute monstrosity, a walking eclipse of a human, that is Makai Becton at all times, Mike. Just black, just blackens out half the side of the field when he stands up straight. When you have a guy like that, I mean, that's obviously very tantalizing for a quarterback. Absolutely. You know what else is tantalizing for a quarterback? Having a field goal kicker that makes kicks. That's true. Now, okay. now this is this is what we heard. Now we were. It was a lot of rumblings, a lot of anger on our Jet football chat when this game started last week, and we saw Th- Sam Ficken trot out there for the extra point. I thought Mike was not happy about it. I was getting questioned. We messaged Senor. We were like, what? Where is Sergio? Where is Sergio? That's all I wanted to know. And then guess what happened? Immediately, he misses an extra point. This clown, Samson. I mean, you're not doing yourself any favors here at AG, ABG, Samson. And misses another extra point. Now, I guess his groin injury, got, he exacerbated that groin injury, so he's gone again. Sergio should be back next week. But Sergio was 6-for-7, Mike. He only he only missed one kick on a blocked field goal, so he hasn't really missed a kick yet. Made all his extra points. I had no idea why, what Sam Thicken was doing out there, but it is what it is. What are you going to do? When, you, when you're – maybe that, that's another one of the things, uh, you know, when we try to – every little facet, every subtlety and nuance of the tank job – you have to give us credit for because even when it comes to kicker, we're throwing the most bum kicker possible. <laughs> That's got to be it because because this coaching staff baffles me. Like I was sitting there like I'm just watching this young kid, Sergio, kicking 50-yard field goals perfect. I mean he, he looks so – and I think to myself like – why would you go back? Like, what do you... You're already 0-9, 0-10. Why don't you... You know that Ficken really isn't that good of a field goal quicker, so, like, why wouldn't you stick with what you're seeing? And it, it's just weird to me, these moves that they make. And another weird move was what... Did you hear about what Gase admitted? Uh, that that he's still letting Dow Loggins call the plays, Right? Dow Loggins is calling the plays, but he's calling the plays 
to Adam Gase and Adam Gase is calling them in to Joe Flacco. So he's being the middleman. Does that make any sense? I don't even know. I don't know what that's about. What? Yeah, Mike, it doesn't make any sense. He's inserting himself into the equation just to be part of the equation. And maybe it's because, you know what it might be, Mike? Maybe he sees the writing on the wall, Adam Gase, and he's like, this is my last six games. You know, maybe he wants to go out like in the, like the movie Young Guns, bro, like Estevez. You know, he's trying to go out hard, and he's like, let me insert myself into the mix for no reason. I want to at least be involved somehow, because ever since he's given up play-calling duties, even though we've continued to lose, even though our offense is still putrid and pathetic, um, here and there, they do manage to get a drive down the field. They do manage to put the ball in the end zone once in a while, and that seems to have happened at a, at a much better rate since he's been out, you know, removed himself from the play-calling duties. But what he's involved in the equation for at all, I have no idea. It, you know what it is? I think that he doesn't know. I feel like he's so stuck in his ways that now that he gave up play-calling duties because he had to, because he's been such so pathetic that he's got it like Joe Judge, uh, another great example of the Giants co- uh, coach, heard that the O-line was having issues. So what did he do? He went over to the O-line and he started working with the O-line and got the O-line better. And then he was go- going and checking out the defense and special teams because he's a head coach and he's controlling everything. Adam Gase just stays with the offense. He doesn't know how to do anything else. He doesn't know how to do anything else except yeah. call plays. So when Loggins is calling plays, he's just standing there like an idiot. And doesn't know yeah. what to do with himself. So what he does is, I'm going to be your walkie-talkie. That It makes zero sense to me. And you know what? I don't even care anymore. Just get off my team. You're 0-10. Yeah. The worst in franchise history. And you know what's so sad, uh, 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 Adam Gase? This is the worst uh, um, stretch of football games since uh, the 72, since the 70s. And right now, if we go 0-16, our record is going to end up being 57 and 103 over the time span from 2011 all the way till now. 57 wins and 103 losses. That will tie the winning percentage from 1970 to 1980. Yeah, that's bad news. I mean, and through the first nine games, now not, not counting last week's game, through the first nine games, the only other two teams that have ever gone 0-16 are the 2008 Lions and the 2017 Cleveland Browns. Now, those two teams, 2008 Lions, Mike, and Wook, they scored about 16.8 points a game. The 2017 Browns scored about 15.9 points a game, so about 16 points a game. The New York Jets this year are at 13.4. Wow. Is this the, the, we're, we're just comparing ourselves to the other worst teams of all time. Point differential-wise, the Lions, 2008, through their first nine games, were negative 126. 2017 Browns were negative 97. 2020 Jets are negative 147. Oh, man. Great. One more little nugget for you guys. 2008 Lions, total yards per game, right around 273 yards a game. 2017 Browns, right around 314 yards a game. 2020 Jets, 266 yards a game. Now, when you judge these things and you and you you look at them uh, objectively, or you say to yourself, the Jets are kind of actively tanking. It seems, at least, and they've done everything they can to not be good this year. 
the Lions and the Browns those years weren't doing that. They actually maybe thought they could be good and sucked that bad. So that's a little bit of a difference, but doesn't matter too much, Mike. In the record books in 20 years, no one's going to look at that facet of it. They'll just say the Jets in 2020 are the worst team ever. That's what they'll say. Yeah. And you know what? The Browns were bad and the Lions were bad and no one really cares about that now. The Browns are 7-3 and three on their way to the playoffs. So I don't think Brown fans really care. So okay, if 16 is if it is 0-16, yeah, it sucks, but you know, there's always uh tomorrow, right? Well, that's the thing. If we say the Jets, say let's go let's let's do this hypothetical for us and all the gangrene nation out there, all the ABG nation. Say we go 0-16. We ride through this whole year. We don't get one goddamn win, Mike. And we have this misery and embarrassment. And we have this scarlet letter put on us of the worst team of all time. Say that happens to us. But we draft Trevor Lawrence. How much do you think anyone's going to give a you-know-what about 2020 record? They're not going to care. No one's going to care at all. Nick. Yeah. You know that in Dynasty, I'm probably going to have the worst record. And I'm going to have a name change. Oh boy! Yeah. Let's get into that. Yeah, Let's get into that for ABG Nick. 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 You know yes. that I'm gonna have a name change, right? Yes. Do you think I give a sh? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I like I like how confident Wookie's too that you're gonna have a name change. Wookie's like, oh yes, because he knows. No, but then that's the thing, Wook. He doesn't care because in our league, if you draft Trevor Lawrence, which is a full team keeper league, you're in a good position. You're in a good position. That's the same with the. That's the same. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Oh, and sixteen. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Imagine anyway, if they right, they could draft they, Trevor look, Lawrence. Look, I mean, they have a whole bunch of options next year. But you know what? It's. It, I'll tell you this: the zero and sixteen. That is not. That is not as bad as the Cincinnati Bengals fans. Oh boy. Right. Oh god. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Okay. Joe Burrow, poor. I mean, Joe, that hit he took, which looked horrific immediately. And you're like, oh, well, maybe it just, you know, you know, some guys, sometimes these NFL athletes, man, these, especially these young dudes, they're just, they're superhuman. So sometimes they take a hit, not as bad as it looks. That's one of those ones. Immediately, you're like, that's not, that's uh, not good. That uh, is not good. ACL tear, MCL tear, structural damage to his knee. This is very similar to Teddy Bridgewater who also had an ACL tear, had structural damage. He actually dislocated his knee joint, too. So, I mean, I mean, another guy, I mean, Alex Smith, two breaks, compound fracture. There's quarterbacks that have had horrific injuries. Those two guys I just mentioned have managed to come back, play decent enough. And he's much younger than either of those guys, Joe Burrow. So I'm sure he'll be back. But the road, I mean, he if it's a year at least, that's next year midseason. Then maybe they don't even bring him back. Considering the severity of the injury, and he doesn't even—he might not play again. I'm looking until at until 2022, right oh. guys. Oh yeah, my that's... goodness, he's going to have reconstructive surgery. Like it, I'm reading it right now. Like the, it, it, not just his ACL and MCL, but there was also other structure. His knee is spaghetti right now. I mean, to Keith's point, we may not see him till 2022. That my heart goes out to. Cincinnati Bengal fans to Joe Burrow. He was having a very good season um, as a rookie. And I, I, I don't know of another. I mean, I think Teddy Bridgewater was the other injury to the knee like that. Um, this is terrible. And, you know, you never know how that's going to affect him psychologically when he gets back, you know? Yeah. And it just 
it seems like you know you know what guys like and i want to hear what the wook thinks about this because you ha- say you have a, a guy you draft number one overall wook obviously this is a guy in your head you're like all right we're going to get behind this dude for the next 15 years so if you're good if you have a guy like that and you know he could sling it but maybe you don't have the best offensive line in the world which the Bengals don't and on your team you have Mixon, you have bernard you actually have decent running backs if you're throwing the ball as much as he was, which was the most any rookie has ever thrown the ball, he was on the he was on pace. You know, the rookie he might have thrown the most yards of any rookie ever passing yards, which would have been super impressive. But when you're throwing the ball that often with a young guy, it almost seems to me like it's a little bit careless with your investment for the future. Just considering rookies whoop they they might put themselves in those situations like he did in that game where you can get yourself injured then on the flip side of that you have a guy like brady you have a guy like breeze you have a guy like uh, matt ryan the vets right if there's someone even coming near them they just drop to the ground yeah, they're not yeah. they're not they're not getting injured you know right. knock on wood that's why those guys have played forever you know and a guy like burrow maybe doesn't have that skill yet they don't even know that yet the young bucks so if you're like yeah throw it 45 times a game mm-hmm. and you don't have the best offensive line look do you think they kind of put him in harm's way uh yeah well i mean i don't think they were they were obviously intentionally put him in harm's way but but 40 some odd dropbacks and, and that's nuts i mean he, all right mixing like we said he's, he's on ir now but he was he was there you've got bernard you've got other you've got decent receivers there um you don't have to throw the ball that much i mean the kid was on to break uh, like you were saying records galore this year and it's just unfortunate that um that you know he ended up getting hurt like that he took he took a he took a league high 72 hits i know and yeah and he was and he'd been sacked i don't remember how many times it was but i think it was almost the most of any quarterback he no it was 32 times he's been sacked already and he has four, 404 attempts. It was in, and that was his ninth game. That's about 45 attempts a game. That's a lot of attempts for a rookie. Oh, yeah. Of course, look, I didn't think, you know, they're not, they wouldn't put him in harm's way on purpose. But oh, it's, no. almost, it's almost like negligence with your asset. Right. You have a rookie throwing it that often. Like, you know, until this guy gets a lot of, uh, a lot of experience and, you know, he knows what to do. Don't put yourselves in harm's way. Because that was a situation he didn't need to get into when he ran yeah. out there to the side. Like, yeah. He didn't need to be where he was on that play, but he was because he's going yeah. for it. And, you know, it's just I, I really feel bad for him. I'm not a Bengal fan, but it's one of those other forlorn, really, uh, you know, fan bases, tough fan base, just like just like being a Jet fan. So you almost can relate to a fan base like that. Mike, they've had a lot of misery just like us. Yeah. And if, you know, if something like this happened to Sam or something like this, God forbid we drafted Lawrence or something happened like this, right? We would be in absolute depression. Yeah, and well, and look, they did it to themselves. And what does this teach you? What does this teach you? What does it teach you about what happened with Sam Darnold? What does it teach you what happened with, with uh, Derek Carr's uh, David Carr back in Houston? If you are going to invest this amount of capital in one player and you look at that player as your franchise, you better put the money and effort in protecting that asset. You don't just go get a guy like that, like Sam and Joe, and just throw them out there to the Wolves and have them throw the ball around with a terrible offensive line and them yeah. getting smashed around. You, you're going to ruin the kid. You ruined Sam. 
you maybe ruined this, this kid's career. You know what I'm saying? RG3, you know, he was running around reckless. You know, got himself busted up. Now lost his, you know what I'm saying? And then look at Tua. You know, they benched Tua. Dolphins' offensive line isn't really that great. I mean, yeah. they have good weapons, but, you know, and, and But I Tua, think that was more, they were just sending a message. Because, like, on the season, Tua has six touchdowns, no interceptions. He's played for a rookie or for anyone. He's played pretty good. But in that game, he wasn't playing good, and he's a rookie. So that was meant to be like, look, if you're not going to play a full four quarters well, you're going to get benched. And that's the type of coach they have because they have a good coach. That's what coaches do. He wasn't worried about how he's going to look. He didn't care about the media. He didn't care about where Tua was drafted. He was like, I'm benching you right now. He's going to start this weekend for the Jets. He'll probably have a good game versus the Jets, I'm sure. But yeah, sometimes yeah. sometimes you have to do things like that, you know? Wookie really wasn't happy with him. He sent him off in the Dynasty League. Yeah, Wookie sent him packing real quick. And I know that you guys don't know this. Wookie has some type of... None of us in any way, shape, or form are prejudiced at all. But Wookie just doesn't like Samoans. Oh, and yeah. No, that's that's a known thing. And anyone anyone of Polynesian <laughs> blood, Wookie doesn't like you. In wrestling, he never he never liked the wild Samoans growing up. You hate Roman Reigns. You don't like Samoans. And I don't know what that's about, but that's one of the reasons. What's I think wrong with Samoans, him. dude? I don't have a problem with Samoans. He's joking, people. All right, we, I mean, we can we can quote unquote. Say I'm joking if you want. It's fine. I'm not going to out you on live on a live podcast, Wookie. Tua's gone. He made an investment in some other guys. And I think Tua will be a good player moving forward, Mike. I think this weekend, um, Jets-Dolphins, like every other game that we've talked about the last three or four weeks, once we once it's really set in, the level of scrubbery that we have on this team, um, there's no reason to think that we will win this game. The Dolphins have played well. They're well-coached. Um, you know, Tua, I know you got pulled last week. They lost, they lost a tight one, 2013. And, you know, Denver is not that good either. I mean, Locke looks like a bag of trash. Oh, scrub. They ran two touchdowns in last week, and they kicked two field goals. Locke was an, Locke was an absolute bag of garbage. So that looks like another team that's going to be looking for a quarterback next year is going to be the, um, the Broncos again on their quarterback carousel. But on the season, the Dolphins, have, they played pretty good. And you look – like when you look at the uh, the NFL standings, guys – and you look at all the teams that are in first place throughout the NFL. Bills, you see the Chiefs, you see the Steelers, the Colts. We got the Eagles, <laughs> which is ridiculous, but we have the Eagles in first place. The Rams, Packers, Saints. One thing they have in common, a lot, most of those teams are between 60 and 100 points. They've outscored their opponents this season. The Bills have outscored their opponents by 7 points the whole season. And they're 7-3. and three. So let's see how that keeps going. The Dolphins, on the other hand, have outscored their opponents this year by 60 points. I mean, they're a much better team than people realize. Two or, or Fitzpatrick in there because they actually have a pretty good defense. And they got some decent um, players at wide receiver and they're coached well. They don't really have any running backs right now, but they've been able to do a good job. And this is going to be another game this weekend, Mike, that uh, this is maybe the only game left that I can look at and say maybe we could win this one. Raiders. The rest of them, even, even I know you keep saying the Raiders, I understand that. I don't think we have any chance. If the Raiders are going to beat the Chiefs and then almost beat the Chiefs again, why aren't they going to spank the Jets? Let's just let's apply logic to this. Besides trying to troll our friend, applying actual logic, there's no reason to think we're going to win that game. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like we're going to win. I don't know, Keith. Don't ask me, man. No, you know what? This we're, that might. There's a pandemic right now in the country where 
people don't require one shred of evidence to think a thing is true. <laughs> Mike, you know what I'm saying? Like, people can go into court and say, we don't have evidence of this thing, but it's just true. <laughs> you don't do that when it comes to football. Do You have more respect for yourself than that, okay? But I understand you want them to beat, you want them to beat the Raiders, which I do too as well, because that would just be joyous. This weekend yeah. is the game, I think. Who knows, man? It's not like it's a divisional game. Those are always tight games, and... Uh, I don't know. There's no nothing to point at. No, P. Ryan has a high ankle sprain, so we're going to get gore. The whole game's going to be gore, I think. He's going to miss at least two weeks. Right in the last game, they both averaged over four yards of carry. They both look pretty good. But again, Gore gets two-thirds of the carry, even though P. Ryan's averaging the same. He's a little bit faster. He's only 21. Like, in your head, you're like, what's the logic behind that? But it is what it is. And, you know, I think this game will be close, Mike, but I think it's another one that we're going to come out on the short end of. Right. Um... It just depends on how Tua plays. Sam looks like he's going to play. This will be the first time Sam has the complement of weapons that are around him. We're, the Dolphins' defense is very, very good. The Miami should spank the Jets. I mean, they should, but we'll see. You never know. I will say that um, I agree with you. I think that the Jets will lose this game. I think that they're going to probably lose all these games. But I am in full belief, especially after this week, that if we are 0-15 going into that last game and we have to lose to the New England Patriots, Belichick is going to throw the game. I know you said it's conspiracy theory. I know you said that, you know, every, you know but I'm telling you that, that's, that I, I have accepted it because yeah. I can see it coming, bro. I, you know it's coming. He hates us. He hates us, and he. There is no way Belichick is gonna gonna deliver Lawrence to us if he has to. He will tank and make sure that we get our one victory and get and 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 lose if we're in that position. I'm telling you, and I'm I'm I'm. That's what I think is gonna happen, man. I'm I'm just preparing myself for Fields. Well, you can't put anything past the evil empire. True evil, Mike, will stoop to any level. <laughs> any level to achieve their goal and we've already seen that with the patriots over these <laughs> 20 years of fines and losing draft picks and drafting oh. people that murder people and owners you know getting hand jobs from 95 year old vietnamese women you know oh we could we could go down the laundry list we won't do it but we know we know where the moral compass of that team lies so if they were to if you were to say to me would they tank a game versus the Jets? Stranger things have happened, Mike. Of course, it's a possibility. I just hope that by that time, we don't even have to worry about it. I'm hoping that Jacksonville squeaks a game out here. Yeah. So that if, so that if we do continue to lose, we don't have to stress out about it because it'd be nice to know. And uh, But that's not how the Jets, that's not how our life goes, of course. Jet fans' life is not that easy. That's why the name of our show is Ain't Easy Being Green, because we just live a torturous lifestyle here. That's what we got for you this week. Jets, Dolphins this weekend. We'll see what happens. Yeah, but we want to sign out, guys. That's what we got for you this week. Hope everybody enjoys Thanksgiving, enjoys the football games on Thanksgiving. We'll see what happens with that Ravens-Steelers game. Might be postponed till Sunday. Jets are coming up on Sunday. Everyone have a happy, safe Thanksgiving. And Mike, and if anyone does want to support us, get at us, hear our show, or support us in any way, shape, or form, where could they do that? Well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at JAEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Agaris, and 
and the big stinking Wookiee Nicholas Kronk. My name is Keith Farrell. Get at you next week, everybody. Peace out. Hey, this is Sean Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans, very passionate. Bird, Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans, very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. Don't believe it.